number seven, Stan Phillips. Good morning, fans of the Metropolitans. How you doing? Happy Wednesday, and more importantly, happy day before opening day, if there is an opening day tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have to see what the weather looks like tomorrow. If not, we may have to shine our apple up a little bit, because it looks like if the game is canceled tomorrow, the Met opening day will be on Apple TV. That would be weird, wouldn't it? First Met game ever on Apple TV, and the first game ever televised by Apple TV will be the Met opener if it's rained out tomorrow, but we'll talk about that more later. I guess the old adage is, if you're going to get play a bad game, might as well let it be the last game before uh, the regular season starts down the Grapefruit League. And boy, did the Mets lay an egg yesterday. Woo! It was bad. Final score was 14-0 Nationals. Uh, Taiwan Walker, who's a little bit concerned about some uh, injury problems, he got lit up like a Christmas tree, and uh, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> uh, Kilbert Ruiz hit a two-run home run, a fly ball to right field, scoring Josh Bell to make it 2 nothing. Nationals in the bottom of the second. And then Alcides Escobar hit a solo shot to left field, and Lane Thomas scored. And then Nelson Cruz hit a grand slam to left field. Victor Robles scores as along with Cesar Hernandez and Juan Soto. So the Mets were down 8 nothing. So you figure maybe they'd chip away, but the only team chipping away was the Nationals. They scored a run in the third. Uh, they scored three more in the fourth. So after four, it was 12 nothing Washington. They had another run in the fifth and the sixth, and it was 14 nothing. At this point, should the Mets have been calling for the mercy rule? And then the 7th and 8th and ninth inning, neither team scored, but it uh, wasn't pretty at all. Uh, and Holderman got lit up for the first time. He was throwing the ball so well uh, for the Mets, but he even got lit up in the 1 and 2 thirds innings, giving up 4 hits, 3 earned runs, uh, 3 strikeouts, and 2 homers. Walker, 1 and 1 third innings, 6 hits, 6 earned runs, 2 homers. And Orze, uh, another one who's hoping to make the Mets sometime during the year, uh, pitched one inning, gave up three hits and three earned runs. So, and Alex Claudio, our lefty specialist, even got nicked for three hits and an earned run in one inning a pitched. So it was not pretty. Uh, the good thing is it's the last spring training game, and the Mets, uh, you know, they, they were just letting everybody get their last one or two at-bats. It wasn't really a... A lineup you're going to see on opening day for the Mets. Uh, McNeil was out there. He got one at bat, and then he was taken out. Uh, Guillerme was a shortstop, so Davis, third base. Dom Smith, first base. McCann, catching and batting fifth. Palka, left field, first baseman. Uh, Consuerga, right fielder. Uh, Dominguez, the DH, and Ramirez, the center fielder. So you can see it wasn't the big guns out there for the Metropolitans. But nonetheless, they got lit up like a Christmas tree. So the Mets finished the Grapefruit League at 7-7, seven and seven, which wasn't bad. Now, the Nationals finished kind of strong. I think at one point they were 0-9 or 0-10. They finished up 4-11. But now the good thing is we can just go ahead and focus on the regular season. 
And isn't that what it's all about? Uh, but before we do that, let's officially give our MVP, the Stan Phillips MVP, or the New York Mets Baseball Way of Life podcast MVP out to Dom Smith. Dom Smith, despite the obstacles of possibly being traded, uh, probably had the best spring of them all. He did go 0-for-1 yesterday in the loss to the Nationals, but he finished as the team's unofficial MVP, as far as I'm concerned, with a 1.377 OPS in 13 games. And Colin Holderman, uh, like I said, he put himself on the Mets' radar this spring with his 99-mile-per-hour fastball and early success, but he did get roughed up yesterday. Uh, he would have been in consideration, and he allowed three earned runs on four hits and two walks over one and two-third innings. Now, Joey Rodriguez, the man we got for the Yankees for Castro, and I'm hoping that trade works out. I wasn't in favor of it. I think we should have kept Castro. He allowed one run on two hits in the sixth inning. So that's it. There's no game today. Uh, the Mets will work out in Washington, I guess weather permitting. It's raining here in New Jersey right now, so I'm not sure what the forecast is for Washington in the next couple of days, but I know the Yankee opener is in jeopardy, and I'm sure it would be the same for Washington as that rain's probably coming up the eastern seaboard. But nonetheless, you know, like a kid on Christmas Eve, sweeping before baseball starts, and that should really, really make things interesting from here on out. Uh, like I said, if I think it showers in the morning here in New York and then increasing rain during the day. Uh, and for the Met game, it looks like it may be showers and thunderstorms throughout the early afternoon. Uh, well, the forecast is they should be able to play, but there may be a brief delay in the, in the game starting. So we shall see. I hope they play the game. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's going to work out too well for uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the decision is on that. Uh, might be better off just pushing him to Friday's game. Now, like I said, it's going to be weird watching the Mets on Apple TV Plus if it's the opener. Uh, Apple TV Plus has that contract where they have the exclusive uh, TV rights to a doubleheader on Friday nights now. So there is the possibility of a day-night doubleheader being scheduled for Friday, which will allow SNY to have the opener in the afternoon and Apple TV Plus to have the second game at night, but that remains to be seen. But that is in the discussions. Now, without the delay for the lockout, some teams schedule an off day after their opener prevents such an issue, but the Nationals don't, don't have that luxury as they picked up right where the schedule was going to start up for the, th the season on Thursday to begin the 2022 campaign after the lockout. Regardless, it is the first or second game Apple Plus TV will feature yet-to-be-named announcers, but it will not be Cohen, Hernandez, and Darling. And that's a little downer for us Mets fans. Now, besides being paid $85 million per year by Apple, MLB feels it's important to embrace new technology to appeal to fans as the cable bundle diminishes. As for the forecast, MLB is hoping for the best. No changes scheduled have been made at this time. So we're going to see what happens and get ready for that new era of MLB Baseball on Apple TV. Now, yesterday was a little bit disconcerting. Uh, the news on Max Scherzer was good, and it looks like he will pitch Friday uh, in D.C. That should be fun. Uh, I'm not sure how the D.C. fans feel about that. But now the Mets have a different injury concern within the rotation. Like the old expression goes, if it's not one thing, it's another. 
Taiwan Walker departed his final tune-up for the regular season Thursday after one and one-third innings with soreness in his right knee. Walker, who underwent surgery in January to remove damaged cartilage from the knee, said he still expects to make his first start of the season Monday in Philadelphia. The right-hander attributed the soreness to a mechanical adjustment, adjustment, beg your pardon, he's been implementing in his lower half. Now, against the Nationals, he threw about 40 pitches and allowed six certain runs, including two homers. Uh, even Walker said, I was just using all arm. We didn't want to push it, so we just shut it down. Now, Walker indicated the shortened, shortened spring training following his surgery and the lockout hasn't helped matters. And uh, he was a bit behind in spring training, and he was catching up. Uh, but he will have an extra day, which will be nice, and hopefully he can regain his uh, composure, his mechanics, and his strength, and see how he does once the bell rings and the regular season starts. Now, Scherzer, meanwhile, tested his right hamstring in a bullpen session and indicated he plans on taking the ball for his first turn in rotation on Friday in Washington. Now, the Mets are scheduled to open their season Thursday, like I said, but Walter hasn't named an official starter yet. I personally would like to see Tyler McGill pitch, so it's McGill, Williams, and Peterson as the candidates for the start, according to Showalter. Now, that start originally belonged to the franchise, the best pitcher in baseball, Jacob DeGrom, but the Mets' ace will begin the season on the injured list with a stress reaction on his right scapula. Scherzer was plan B for the opener, but is receiving an extra day because of the hamstring issue. Showalter stops short of officially naming Scherzer as a starter for Friday, saying he wants to see how the pitcher feels the next few days, including the fielding drills. So, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a little soap opera the next couple of days, waiting to see who's going to be taking the mound for the Metropolitans. So, we shall see. Uh, I definitely am looking forward to Scherzer. I think he'll be okay. Uh, and it looks like four Scherzer is pretty good overall. And I guess they just want to see how he can handle little things like making cuts and covering first base. And I guess they're going to test that out on Thursday because you can get hurt just as easily on the field uh, defending balls. And he was scratched Saturday from the spring training start because of discomfort in his leg. And he said... He had a hiccup in the hamstring while running two days earlier. Scherzer pitched for the Nationals for six and a half years before winning a World Series title. I mean, winning a World Series title with the club in 2019. Before he was traded to the Dodgers last July. And I couldn't believe that trade. I said, the Dodgers are going to be invincible. But it just goes to show you that in the playoffs, anybody can win. It's anybody's ball game. You just got to get there. Now, he arrived to the Mets on a three-year contract worth $130 million, giving the club five Cy Young Awards in a rotation. Scherzer owns three of those, and DeGrom the other two. Now, the fact that Scherzer had built up to 90 pitches in relief parents, piggybacking DeGrom on March 26th, should leave him in a position to work deep into his first start, although the Mets could choose a lower pitch count for precautionary reasons. Showalter intends to carry 14 pitchers, but could extend that number by one if there is Lingering concern about Scherzer that would necessitate a stint on the injured list. McGill would appear to be the favorite, like I said, uh, based on a solid spring and his contribution last season. McGill as a rookie helped the Mets rotation afloat for two and a half months last year before hitting an innings wall down the stretch. And that kind of played with his final numbers. He finished 4-6 and six with a 4.52 ERA and 18 starts. 
Now, Williams acquired from the Cubs at the trade deadline and served as a swingman. In his last Grapefruit League outing, he extended to three innings, placing him in a position for a starting assignment if needed. Peterson had a strong rookie season in 2020, but was struggling last year when he hit the injured list with a strained oblique. His season ended with a surgery to repair a fractured bone in his right foot. If Peterson can rebound, it would give the Mets a left-handed option for rotation, which really is something they lack. So that's working in Peterson's favor. But again, I think McGill would be the choice and should be the choice, and we'll see what happens there. But I guess the most the thing I'm personally most excited for is just seeing Max Scherzer when it counts. Uh, it was just funny, like, he, from the get-go, in his first spring training game, he wanted a pitch, and he pitched five innings, and it, pitchers just don't do that their first time out. Uh, there's a buzzer on, around Scherzer. And uh, just due to the fact he is such a gamer and so intense, New York is going to love this guy. And uh, he has almost like rock star status when he's on the mound. And the fact that he went out and pitched five innings with no problem, and then the next time out he went through 90 pitches, uh, tells you that what a competitor he is. Uh, Matt Harvey was a competitor too, and we saw what that happened. So you do have to harness him a little bit. Uh, so the, the news of the hamstring was a little bit unsettling, but I just cannot wait for this guy to pitch. And like I said, if he feels good, he'll go Friday. That's supposed to be the second game of the year. Could well be the opener. And he's still, to me, the mentally tough. Well, Jacob DeGrom is in another world of his own too, but DeGrom and Scherzer are not only great pitchers, they're so mentally tough. They're bulldogs, and when you're fighting for a roster spot, that's one thing. But this guy here has so much money socked away in the bank and a big contract coming with the Mets that he doesn't need that mentality, but he does. So he's one of those guys that's actually not going to sit back and let the contract uh, play itself out and not hustle. But you got to love him. you got to love him. Now, the other concern about an injury that's bothered me a little bit, and I'm sure you guys too, is Brandon Nimmo. And now, supposedly, his status for the Mets season opener is unknown. And the last few seasons, Brandon's been a little bit nimble and a bitter, brittle, I should say. Uh, but according to the Mets, he is a little bit better. And uh, his availability for Thursday is still wait and see. He played last Sunday and he received an injection on Monday. Uh, the Mets brought insurance with them to Washington. Travis Jankowski broke camp with the team and barring a setback, Max Scherzer might require a 15 pitcher and uh, looks like Jankowski will probably be on the roster when the opening day starts. And this former Stony Brook University, a local hero standout provided outfield depth and a pinch runner for the Mets in preseason. And he will do the same once the regular season starts. Now, Showalter used Mark Conha in center field on Monday and could go that route with Dom Smith or Jeff McNeil in left field if Nimmo isn't ready. Showalter has wanted to keep Starling Marte in right field to get him adjusted to the new position. So I understand the thinking behind that. You don't want to... Well, Marte's still in the learning curve. You don't want to have him go back to center and lose his uh, touch out in right field. So... It'll be interesting to see who's out in center field if Nimmo can't go on opening day. Uh, but Joey Rodriguez, fresh from the Yankees, he's going to have a lot to say and a lot of things. They got him, I guess, to pitch. He's going to be out there. 
he'll probably have more opportunities than he did with the with the Bronx Bombers. And Rodriguez and Chase and Shreve will open the season as the lefty options in the Met bullpen. And uh, he'll have the opportunity. So, you know, what happens in the spring has a lot to do with what's going to happen the rest of the year. So if Rodriguez can impress, he might be a regular go-to in the bullpen as far as a lefty. Relievers are very flaky. They either have a great year or a bad year. They're up and down. Very rarely are they consistent all the time. But hopefully Rodriguez has a better year than he did last year when he combined with the Rangers and Yankees pitching to a 4.66 ERA. But he was better when he came to the Yankees pitching to a 2.84 ERA over 21 appearances. That's probably what caught the Mets eye. Now Rodriguez said mechanical adjustment was responsible for his improvement with the Yankees. So uh, hopefully that works out and he has himself figured out because we could sure use that left-hander out there. Uh and it's not like, you know, the Mets are just another team in the big leagues. They have big money. And we are so unfortunate here in New York to have big money teams. Uh, we're not Pittsburgh. We're not Cincinnati. Uh, we're not Kansas City. We're not Cleveland. Uh, now the teams have cost control even when they're good, like Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Miami, Tampa Bay. Uh, but it is good to see. I'm not wishing any ill will on the will ponds, but it's good to see them gone and we can actually spend money when we need it. And uh, it does make baseball in New York a lot more interesting. The Yankees and Mets are both at the tip of everyone's tongue when it comes to baseball conversation. And it's amazing that combined, they'll both spend combined a half a million dollars on baseball players this year. And that may seem outrageous to some, uh, and, of course, we do pay for it. Well, let's not, you know, hide that fact. You're paying a lot for your brewski. You're paying a lot for your parking. You're paying a lot for your ticket. But fans will come out when they're winning. Uh, whether they pay exorbitant prices or not, it cuts back a little bit. But uh, <laughs> no matter what, if you can't afford to go to the games, you'll be locked into SNY. Yes Network, FAN, or CBS for the radio coverage. And it's just going to be a fun summer following both ball clubs. I do follow the Yankees. I watch as many Yankee games as I can. I watch as much baseball as I can. But my number two priority is the Yankees uh, as far as viewing because that allows me to follow the American League teams. So if I watch both the Mets and the Yankees, I try to religiously watch both teams play every game. And that way I get a full concept of baseball. But... Uh, thanks to the Mets and MLB.TV is free as a Mets season ticket holder. So I try to catch as many games as I can. And we've come a long way, baby, when it comes to TV coverage because I just love MLB.TV too. It's going to be a little confusing this year with Apple TV and uh, Peacock streaming on Sundays. But I'm there. I'll find a way. I'm one of those that always finds where the game is. But the good thing is, neither team has a cheap owner. Those days are gone. But as long as the Cohen owns the Mets, they aren't ever likely to stand accused of parading around a small market team's modest garments. And Cohen, when addressed about the $290 million, says it's a lot of money to spend overall. And he's okay with it, and he's willing to live with it, and he'll leave it at that. 
So we're left with the feeling that after you've surpassed your personal high on bench press or bicep curl or pull down, New York's mu baseball muscles are flexed. They may not guarantee a mutual date in October, but won't be for lack of trying or spending. And it is going to be fun watching both ball clubs. It really is. Okay, now it's our usual time to note Met birthdays and Met history and transactions. And today is no different. Uh, happy birthday to Wayne Graham, born this date in 1936. Happy birthday to the vulture, Phil Regan, uh, born this date in 1937. Now, Phil never played with the Mets, but he was, he was, what was he? Yes, he was a Met pitching coach in 2019, and he's still around and kicking. He could be found in camp every now and then, and uh, amazing at his age, 85. He's a baseball lifer. And happy birthday to Tom Slater, uh, the Mets assistant hitting instructor, instructor from 2018 to 2021. And happy birthday to Andy Phillips. He's one of those guys that played for both the Mets and the Yankees. And he was born in 1977. So happy birthday, gentlemen. Uh, well deserved. And big transaction day on April 6th, 1972. One of the biggest trades in Met history. The Mets traded Tim Foley, Mike Jorgensen, and Ken Singleton to the Montreal Expos for Rusty Staub. Then in 1974, the Mets released Rich Childs. Rich Childs, that's the guy we got for Tommy Agee, as I recall. Uh, the Mets traded Ed Gwynn, former vendor at Shea Stadium and from Flushing, New York, and he was traded to the Cleveland Indians for Dominic Bullinger on this date in 1981. Then the Mets traded Mark Bombach for Charlie Paleo in 1981 on this date. Mark Bombach, he, he was a good pitcher, but it seemed to give up the home run a lot, as I recall. Then the Mets sold Butch Benton to the Chicago Cubs on this date in 1981. Now it's time to do our Jeopardy and Trivia question of the day. But before we do that, let me just remind you about our Facebook group, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're not a member, please do join. If you're on Facebook and you're a Met fan, it's the natural fit. So check us out, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life on Facebook. You'll be glad you did. Such great contributions from everybody and good baseball discussion every day about the Mets. And uh, if you're not a subscriber to this podcast, please do subscribe. We put one up every day for your listening pleasure. And uh, we do enjoy doing it. So uh, we hope you enjoy listening. And if you do, then you're a subscriber already. And if you do enjoy it and you're not a subscriber, then you need to. And that's the fact, Jack. Yeah, uh, that's a line out of Stripes for you Stripes fans. Okay, now let's go to the long-awaited New York Mets trivia and baseball question of the day. You got your pens and paper ready to lock in your answers? Okay, no stopping us now. Here is today's trivia question. What former Met pitcher began his career as a third baseman with the Kansas City Athletics? Once again, what former Met pitcher began his career as a third baseman with the Kansas City Athletics? Today's Jeopardy clue, two clues, led the Mets in on-base percentage with 384 and 219. 2019, I should say. Any time for the Mets lead and hit by pitch with 21 in 2019. 
lock in your answers. And we'll be back later on at the end of the podcast to tell you how you did. But now let's talk about what's going on in the group. The group meaning New York Mets baseball way of life. We reminisced about 1974. Uh, On opening day, Philly's third baseman Mike Schmidt hits his ninth inning two-run homer off Tug McGraw to beat the Mets on opening day 5-4. The walk-off homer is the first of the big league leading 36 dingers the third baseman will hit all season. Then on this date in 2015, the Mets start 41-year-old Bartolo Colon on opening day, much to the chagrin of many fans who hoped one of their young guns, Matt Harvey or Jacob deGrom, would get the covetous Simon. The oldest pitcher ever to get the nod on opening day in franchise history doesn't disappoint when he gives up a run on three hits, besting Washington's $210 million ace. Get this, Max Scherzer in the team's 3-1 win in Nationals Park. Then on this date in 2002, the Mets scored nine runs in the ninth inning, eight off of John Smoltz to break a 2-2 tie and defeat the Braves 11-2. Ray Ordonez bases loaded double is the big blow as the Mets have 15 at-bats in the ninth. It is the most runs they've ever scored in the frame. Now on this date in 1992, defeating the Tigers 4-2, Mets reliever Jeff Innes is credited with the win over the Cardinals in New York's 4-2 opening day victory. In 1991, Innes became the only pitcher in baseball history to appear in at least 60 games with neither a win or a save. Now let's flash back to 2004. The Mets opened their season with a 7-2 win over the Braves. Shortstop Kazeo Matsui, making his American baseball debut, opens the game with a home run on the first pitch from Russ Ortiz, becoming only the 20th player in baseball history to home run on the first major league pitch he sees. Matsui adds a pair of doubles and two walks in his debut. He is the third player in Met history to homer in his first at-bat, joining Mike Fitzgerald and Benny Ayala. Good stuff. A lot of Met history. Now with the season started, we'll be talking about a lot of things past and present. So, it's going to be fun, kids. It really is going to be fun. And you need to be here. You need to be here. So... We we have one of the best writers in the business, Pat Ragazzo, always contributing his work. Uh, he, Pat writes for SI.com, and today he had an excellent article on Brandon Nimmo uh, dealing with his stiffness in his neck. You're going to want to check that out. And like we said, our great man, Scott, comes through with some big contributions every day, and we really want to thank him. Uh Mike Scott, not the guy who threw the split finger, but Mike Scott in our group, one of our top contributors, and we want to thank him. Okay, now we're going to be concluding the podcast, but before we do, we always give the answer to the trivia and Jeopardy question of the day. Uh, Who's ready? You got your pens out? That's good. That's what I want to see. Uh, The trivia question again was, what former Met pitcher began his career as a third baseman with Kansas City Athletics? Well, the correct answer is Skip Lockwood, who played seven games at third base for the A's in 65 before resurfacing in 69 as a pitcher with the Seattle Pilots. Congrats to Kareem Haywood on being the first to submit that correct answer. I think Kareem is our leader in uh, all-time answers this year in the trivia. And our two clues for Met Final Jeopardy. Led the Mets' non-base percentage with 384 in 2019 
and tied for the Mets lead in hit-by-pitch with 21 in 2019. The question on that one for Jeopardy is, who is Jeff McNeil? Congrats to Mets superfan John Tierney on being the first to submit the correct answer. So there you have it, the conclusion of the podcast, once we give those answers out. So again, I want to thank you all very, very much for listening. Again, your support means the world to me. And tomorrow is it, the day we've been waiting for. Merry Christmas, Mets fans. Hopefully opening day tomorrow. If not, uh, it's going to feel like opening day, just waiting for the cancellation, if there is a cancellation. But I have a feeling they'll do everything they can to get the game, and the Mets won't mind because they won't have Scherzer pitching. They'll have a bullpen game going anyway. So it may work to the Mets' advantage after all, so things may happen for a reason. But regardless of the weather, we'll be back tomorrow. We never get rained out. We'll be back with another podcast, so check us out. So once again, thanks for your support, and let's go Mets.